0: Hey, church, how are we? All right. Hey, so good to have all of you guys here today with us. Guests in the house, so glad to have you. Got college students home. Got some college students here. Got my daughter in the house today. Glad to have her back. Haven't had her home for three months. Good to have all of you guys here today. Uh, This time of year, not just because my daughter's home, uh, I am flooded with emotions. And I'm not all that emotional, people, uh, but uh, this, time, this time of year, I mean, holidays, you guys kind of get the warm and fuzzies going on, and the holidays makes me think about back when I was a kid, growing up with my parents, and now I'm a parent, it's all kind of weird, but I, I remember growing up in, in South Florida. You guys have probably knew I grew up in Fort Lauderdale area, Miami area, and uh, man, this time of year, the Thanksgiving season, and rolls right into Christmas, it really does... It does just get my brain rolling, and all the things I experienced growing up. I I had some crazy stuff happen. There was there was times in my life that I, I I remember eighteen years old, maybe seventeen, eighteen. I felt invincible, like I could I like I could I could drive my car down the highway at a hundred and way over a hundred miles per hour, and be like, what? Nothing can happen to me. Yesterday, some kid passed Christy and I on the highway, and we we were going like seventy five, and he must have been going hundred and something. It was like rolling around. I was like, "Idiot, you fool! What are you doing?" And I'm like, "That's exactly what people thought of me when I was cruising down the highway when I was young." And I had a, I remember having my Jeep with the top off in Fort Lauderdale and cruising A1A Beachfront Avenue. You guys have heard that before, okay? I, I, that's where I lived. That's where I grew up, right? And so I remember cruising up and down this trip, uh, you know, at all hours of the day and at night. And I remember on one occasion. Uh, there. Was, I had a curfew, and I had great parents who really kept an eye on on what was going on in our world. And I remember on one occasion I, I did not have permission to be down there, but I was down there. And uh, man, I was cruising up and down the strip. And you know, you go down, and you turn around, and you just come back, and you just go down, and you come back, you just keep doing it over and over. And you see who you can see. And I remember I had my my stereo. I had one of the one of the little you know. Extra boxes in the back of my Jeep with some speakers in it, like my neighbors do, and uh, my neighbors are here today, and so and so uh, and so I was cranking it up. I mean, and I, I remember going down my my chair, laid back in my Jeep, leg hanging out, playing Tone Loke. You remember, you remember Tone Loke? Funky Cole Medina, right? Right. So I'm riding up and down the strip, and. I didn't have permission to be there and somehow I my buddy was driving my Jeep and I was sitting on the back side of it or something and I hanging on the roll bar and my wallet wiggled out and fell out on the road. And so I didn't know it. Next day I get up and my dad, he's like, Whoa, I almost took a dot nosedive off the stage here. Uh, next day my dad gets me out of bed and it's early. And he's like, Come on, son, we gotta get out there. We gotta work in the yard. That was every Saturday morning yard work. And so my dad started playing me. I didn't know he was playing me, but he was setting me up. He goes, so uh, how was last night? I was like, oh, we had a great time, and you and your buddies went to the movies. Oh, yes, sir, we, we had a great time. What movie? Oh, you know, Justice League, you know, I, I, you know which is a movie now. Just made that up. So, uh, and so he's like, so really, so how, how in the world do you think that somebody found your, your, your wallet down on A1A if you were at the movies? That's when you, you know it if you're, if you're young, just give up, okay? You, anything beyond that point, you dig a hole deeper and deeper and deeper. And I was dumb. I, I still dug the hole as deep as you could, you could dig it until I finally, like, I'm caught, right? So that's one story. Uh, but, but I remember feeling invincible. I remember feeling uh, my, first, my first hurt, my first pain. Uh, that was also around the time that I lost my mom to cancer. She died when I was 19. So that was all kind of around that same era for me. And I, and I thought about that this morning, and then I, I realized as I was talking about this last week, I said last week that there's more suicides in this one month, this 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 season right now that we're in, than all other 11 months combined. And I, and I began to think about just remembering my pain of losing my mom and what that felt like. It was two days before Christmas that we... We lost her abruptly. We found out she had cancer on Thanksgiving, and she was gone before Christmas. And I remember waking up Christmas morning, unwrapping her presents. That was miserable. We cried at every part of that. I I still can, I feel that pain still to this day. When I've been at your funerals and done your funerals and been a part of some of your losses and some of your difficulties, I feel your pain. I feel, it conjures up what I felt then, and I feel when we go through these experiences together. Um, I, I had my first sense of really being afraid during that area of my life. Uh, I was afraid, and I, and I can tell you that my mom, um, around the time that she was passing away, even the day that she passed away, I wasn't very nice to her. I wasn't around a whole lot. I was doing my own thing. And I remember... Sorry for getting choked up on you a little bit here. I can remember being afraid of completely surrendering to God. Like I was totally in that stage of my life, one foot in and one foot out of the whole God thing. And my mom, she was my mama that prayed for me. She was one of those kind of mamas. She prayed for me. And I was literally, I can remember then feeling afraid of If I give everything to God, what if it doesn't work? And what if I know better than him and I can live my life the way I want to, which was really working out great for me then, ha-ha, right? Isn't it stupid you think you can do it apart from God? But, But I was scared to go all in for God. I was scared of what I might lose. But on the flip side, I was just as afraid of my life not mattering and not making a difference and continuing to live in a, in, a, in a lack of focus and a lack of direction and no purpose and no, nothing of going anywhere good. And I, I, I remember feeling afraid. And so what I want to do today is, is we're looking at the idea of legacy. I want to look at this. I want to show you a passage today. And I want to look at this from the standpoint of here we are today. There's no accident that God brought you here. And could it be for the purpose today that he wants to lead you to a place of walking out from here doing this? Going, okay, God, I give, uncle. I surrender. So we're going to look at a story today that, uh, that these people in this story, they had the same struggle, the same tension going on exactly as what I've been explaining. They had one foot in and one foot out and we're completely waffling on the God thing. Uh, we go all in for God, or I don't surrender to God. And they were, they were, they, 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 they'd done both. They had gone in with God before, and they'd backtracked, and they've, they, they'd followed something else and tried that, and now they're right smack dab in the middle of, we're just riding both sides of this. Um, scripture today is 1 Kings 18. And if you got a Bible, great, find it. This is one of these very, very, very powerful stories in God's Word. I promise you, this is life transforming if you allow God to work in you today. If you don't have a Bible, that's great. We we have lots of guests, lots of newcomers every week. You can just wave wave your hand and we'll we'll get you a Bible. If not, we'll have it up on screens. And we also always print our, as best we can, always print our uh, Scripture that we're using in message notes today. So let me give you some background. All right, so there's a major tension going on here. God's people, uh, the Israelites, God's people, um, Israel, the nation of Israel, the children of Israel, they are they're wavering and they're waffling back and forth. Now, they've been, in, they've been, they've been suffering for three years of no rain. And in that culture, in that day, in that cus- custom, uh, no rain was a very bad place to be. And they are... They have this great, 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 great legacy, this incredible heritage of all that, that came before them, who followed God, who knew the true living God. But they're in a place now, and I think this is kind of hilarious, that it's not raining, and God's upset with them because they've been waffling, so he's kept it from raining. So they're now praying to the God of Baal, who is the lightning God who's supposed to be raining, and that's been three years now, and I'm like, how's that working out for you? So they're, they're praying to the, 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 the god of Baal, who is the lightning god, also known as the god who could make it rain and bring fire from heaven. And they're also praying to the god of Asherah. She was sort of the sensuality god, the god of sexuality. you got one god that can bring crops because he can make it rain. you got another god that brings kids, crops and kids. Very important in the ancient world, and there's no rain. So they are totally one foot in, one foot out with God. God's not happy about it. So he's, he's kept it from raining. So they're, 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 they're questioning following God, and they're trying to put their stock somewhere else. So enter into the scene God's man, Elijah. And uh, he comes in on the scene, and God sets him up to now communicate to uh, all the people of Israel, and speak to the gods that they believe and are trying to pawn off on everyone as also true gods. So Elijah shows up on the scene sort of, sort of like like how Georgia had Mark Rick and then sent Mark Rick down to solve things in Miami because there was a mess down there. And now they got it going on. So I just, Georgia, why did, why did, why did we do that? So, okay. So... So, there's, so here's the thing. There's major fear. Major, major fear going on because things are drying up. No food, no water, no business. That's bad. So they, they're, 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 as a people, flooded with emotions. God, where you at? Let's, let's, let's try something else out. So God's not happy. He sends Elijah. Uh, 1 Kings 18-21, Elijah, Elijah shows up. He's, God man, he's God's man, and he says essentially let's settle this once and for all, who's the real God? Who's the real God, all right? So that's where this story picks up. Verse 21, Elijah says and speaks to this group who are listening, how long will you waver between two opinions? You know what he's asking, right? He's asking, he's asking the waffling question. Why aren't you all in for the one true living God. How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, and he sets up something really sweet here, if the Lord is God, follow him. If God is God, if you really believe that the God of our ancestors, the Lord God, Almighty Jehovah, if you believe he's God, then go all in for him. Follow him. But if you believe that Baal is God, the God of lightning, the God that can make it rain, the God that can... Bring fire down. Get some, ki- get some crops. in Asher, kids, if you believe in that being God, follow him. But what did the people do? They said what? Crickets, right? Nothing. There, nothing's going on. Nobody says anything. No response. So Elijah's not through. He, he said what he wanted to say. He's trying to bring the temperature up. He's trying to put... Put things in place where they should be. And he wants every man, woman, and child to recognize who is the one true living God. So he he does what probably any good prophet would do, any real prophet of God would do. He sets up a duel, a battle of the gods, much like a battle of the bands, right? You bring out your band. They do their thing. The next band goes. They do their thing. It's like, who's the best, right? You're enjoying it all. But, he's, but, but, but Elijah's like, you're not going for both teams any longer. You're going to choose one today because there's only one true living God who derives and deserves our attention and our affection, and it's the one true living God. So he sets up the battle of gods. Everyone's watching, um, and Elijah says, let's build two altars. You build your altar. You stack it up as big. You make it just like you normally do. Or you make it bigger and better than you've ever wanted to. But this time, don't light it on fire. You pray, and if your God is real, he'll light it on fire. And then I get a shot. I'll, I'll build my altar, and if, I, if my God is real, the true living God is real, then he'll start this one on fire. And they're like, let's do this, right? So we got the battle of gods going on. So they go first. So you got, you got Baal, the god of lightning, who ought to be able to send fire, versus the invisible god of Israel. Now, let me give you some odds here, some really cool odds going on. <clears throat> so you have two, two false gods, fake phony gods, Baal and Asherah. They come with them. They've got their, 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 their tribe, their following. Baal has, a, has 450 prophets that follow. Asherah has 400 prophets. That's 850 to 1. You got 850 people versus Elijah. Hey, I got the real God. All you people are wrong. So, I mean, tensions are high. This is a big deal. Not only are, it, it, do you see these people on the scene, but, I mean, everybody's come out and they're watching this all take shape on the Mount of Carmel. This is one of the biggest visible scenes as you can imagine in the Old Testament that was factual, it happened. Putting on the spot of who's the real God. It reminds me, well, I'll tell you about that in just a minute. Alright, so in 1 Kings 18 27, it says, at noon, because they go first. At noon, Elijah began to taunt them. Because what was going on here was, they they went first, they started doing their thing, they started praying, they started dancing. In the morning, all the way up until noon, they shouted and danced, and guess what? Nothing happened. Nothing's going on. So Elijah, it says at noon in verse twenty seven, he begins to what? What does he do there? He begins to say it out loud with me. He begins to what? Taunt them. You know what that's called? It's called trash talk. Elijah starts trash talking. He says, shout louder. Where's your God at? Why don't you just, you just, you know, raise the roof, shout a little bit louder, everybody. Surely he's God. Perhaps he's deep in thought. Maybe he's like meditating himself. Or maybe he's busy. Or maybe he's traveling. I love that. A God who's traveling. Or maybe he's sleeping and must be awakened. And, in, and here's what's crazy. In some versions, it, says, it literally says this. It says maybe he's relieving himself. Maybe he's on the John, people. Maybe there's a big do not disturb sign up right now. He's got stuff happening in his world and cannot be, be disturbed. That's literally in the Bible. That's why you've got to read this. This is unbelievable. So here, here, Elijah, here's a prophet, a prophet God that's talking smack. I love it. You ever read the book Five Love Languages? My sixth love language is talking trash. My wife and I we 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 love to talk trash with each other. It's part of like the courtship process sometimes for us. It's wonderful. You should try it. Um uh, one, one of one of uh, when you think of talking trash one of one of uh, one of the biggest events that happened not too long ago was probably one of the biggest trash talking events of the last decade. If you'll remember, back in August, there was two opponents. There were the battle of gods, if you will. Conor McGregor versus Floyd Mayweather, right? In in like the biggest battle, right, of of our day. At least that's what it was built up to be. And I'll be honest, man, I I, I bought in. Uh, I didn't literally buy-in like I'd, I went to a friend's house who bought in. <laughs> That's always the way to go. But we were in Virginia visiting an alley, and we had like uh, 50 people over at an old college buddy's house, and we're all watching, man. You know, it came on like at midnight, and there was there was an, 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 a God-awful amount of trash talk, right? Weeks, even months leading up to this thing. Is there going to be a fight? Is there not going to be a fight? And if and if you're like me, uh, I'm a Murphy. I'm Irish, so I, I, I've always liked Connor, I've always liked him. I remember one of his very first fights. He was in Ireland. He fought. He, he annihilated a guy. And in fact, there was three or four of his buddies that were all Irish, and they all won. So at the end of all the fights, all the Irish boys win that night, and they're interviewing Connor, and they ask him this question. I mean, everyone's listening. He just demolishes and demoralizes this guy, and they go, how does it feel? The guy interviewing him says this. How does it feel to take part as a young fighter in the U.S. UFC in America? How does it feel to take part in this? Well, I mean, Mayweather, I'm sorry, McGregor, he snatches the mic, and he says this, and I'll try to give my best, Conor McGregor. He says, I didn't come to take part. I came to take over. And I, mean, I was like, drop the mic, boom. He, you know, it's like he just, he's like, boom, I'm the man, right? And he, is, he literally, do you guys not think he's like one of the biggest trash talkers out there? I mean, I mean, he's just, he's fun to watch. I mean, he's very entertaining. You might think he's as cocky and as arrogant as they come. I like him. I think the guy's as bold as they come. I mean, he's good at what he does. But here's the thing. And you probably don't know where I'm going with this. I mean, you think I'm going to say, like, 2,000 years ago, Jesus came. Yeah, so 2,000 years ago, when Jesus came, literally what was going on was we had worlds that were lost. We had a world that was confused. We had a world that was, like, in disarray. And God decides to send his son Jesus into that mess. Jesus lives as His life is perfect, it's spotless, he does some cool tricks, he's got a following, but the biggest thing that he does is at the end of his life, when he predicts his death and he says, come on everybody, pay attention, I'm going to take the sins of the world, I'm going to put them on me, I'm going to take what you owe for your wrongdoing, and I'm going to take it away from you, and I'm going to bear the sins of the world. On myself. And he says, he says he's going to die. He goes and gets dead. And he comes back to life, rises from the dead. And you know essentially what he says to us? And you know what was going on? And I think the whole message of the Bible is this when it comes to our hearts He didn't come to take part, He came to take all of it. He, he didn't come to say, I want some of you, or like a part or a piece of you. He says to all of us, and I think the message of this passage is he's saying to us, hey, don't be waffling on your opinion. I know things may be difficult. I know you may have one foot in, one foot out. I I know you may be fearful about giving your whole life in in pursuit of me and following me and giving your heart to me and, and surrendering everything you are to me. But essentially, what Jesus says is, I don't, I didn't come to take part. I I came to take all. I want all of you, not some of you. And so, I I love, I love how Matthew puts this. These are Jesus' words, and it's just as clear as it could be. Jesus says, "No one can serve two masters." I mean, if you ever tried to, uh, if you've been married, you ever tried to like completely love your wife and completely love someone else who's not your wife. I hope you haven't, but it happens all the time. But it, does it ever work out? No. You're going to go to somebody, right? You can't, you can't love two people equally. You, 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 it, it's really, uh, 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 it doesn't work. <laughs> you get messed up. People get bruised up. It, it, it's, it causes a lot of brokenness. Scripture tells us in terms of following God, you cannot serve two masters, either you will hate the one or love the other or you will be devoted to one or despise the other, but you cannot serve both God and money. And that was, that was the issue of that day. I'm Sure, we don't have issues with money and financials today, right? Ha-ha, it's, it's a joke. But that was what was going on then. And he could have said anything, but money was the idol then. Money was was what they were up against there. But Elijah was up against Baal. Elijah was up against... Um, Baal, Asherah, you may be up against something uh, of significance. Could be massive, could be small, could be relational, could be an addiction. But here's the thing anything that has more of your heart than God does could be an idol. It, it, it could be something that if it has your affection, if it has your attention more than God, could be something that ought to illuminate in your, your heart and your mind that, that you're not wholeheartedly all in with God. And for me, there's been times in my life where there's still the tension of completely saying, God, I trust you, and I'll follow you on this one. So the message, his message is stop wavering between two opinions. Elijah in 2 Kings, 1 Kings 18, 28 says, So they shouted louder as he's talking trash and saying, Your God, maybe he's off relieving himself. That worked. The trash talk's working. They're amped up. It says they they started shouting louder. And get this, they slashed themselves with swords and spears, as was their custom until blood flowed. Now this is jacked up. I mean, they want so bad, all 850 plus of them want so bad for you to believe that our God is the real God, that they're doing the like, "Ah," dance going on, and they're cutting themselves, they're sweating. They've been doing this now all day. They've worked up into a frenzy trying to get their God and do everything they know to do to get their God to show up on their behalf. Midday passed. And they continued their frantic prophesying until the time for the evening sacrifice. That means they've been going from morning till night, roughly eight hours. But there was no, help me out, no what? Crickets. Crickets. Homeboy didn't show up. Long potty break. Long vacation, something, but no response. I love this. Listen to this. There was no response. It says no one answered and no one what? Nobody paid attention. How about that for a God? So for eight straight hours, these prophets of Baal, they pray, they dance, they cut themselves frantically, working hard. They're giving all their best effort, nothing. So let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Why do we give so much attention to things that can never give a response? Why, why do we work so hard and give time and effort to stuff that never answers, that gives no response, that never gives any attention? Can, I mean, literally, can you imagine tying your hopes in your dreams, your future, your purpose, your life, to, to something that's fake? So Elijah's turn. Elijah builds his offer, altar uh, to the Lord. He builds his altar, and I'm sure he's like, all right, you boys, you got, you got phony gods, I'm sorry to tell you. Let's, let's move you over to the real God. And again, the whole point and purpose of all this is God wants to win their hearts back. God wants them, he wants their worship, he wants their attention, nothing else. So Elijah builds his altar. And not only does he stack the wood as high as he can stack it, but he brings in gallon after gallon after gallon, I mean like gallons and gallons and gallons and gallons of water, and soaks this wood, soaks it, just, they continue to pour water on it. I mean like take... A lot of time and a lot of effort. So much so, that Scripture says, that the ditch around it, and this is a big, big sacrifice by traditional standards and what history says, it filled up the complete ditch around it with water. So it's, it's, a, it's a big flooded mess. And it says in First 1 Kings 18.36, it says, at the time of sacrifice, so it's still sacrifice time. It's, it, this is traditionally what it happens every time, at night just like this. They just at sacrifice time, their God didn't show up. Sacrifice time still going on. And it said the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed. Now, I'm going to I'm going to pray or I'm, excuse me, I'm going to read what he prays and would you guys keep track of how long it takes me? Just count it up. Here I go. Elijah prays and says, "Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today and everyone's listening. That's, uh, j- oh, hold up a sec. I-, I added in there. So cut, stop and then cut out like two seconds. Okay. <clears throat> Can we just start over? Because I don't think you guys were quite ready. Okay, so ready, go. Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and have done all these things at your command answer me, Lord, answer me. So these people will know that you, Lord, are God and that you are are turning their hearts back again. How long did that take? How long? 14. Man, y'all count fast. Anybody have anything higher? 19. Anybody else? Man, I did it like five times yesterday, and I counted 20 seconds, okay? Y'all got to go like slow, real seconds. Y'all don't know how to count, okay? All right, 15 seconds. <clears throat> Check out these odds. Scripture says that the prayers of a righteous person can accomplish much. Elijah, he prays for 15 seconds. They pray for eight hours. Fifteen seconds, eight hours. Check out those odds. If you're a betting man, who's going to win, right? Fifteen seconds, eight eight hours. Scripture says, Immediately, immediately, the fire of the Lord fell down from heaven and burned up the altar, all the wood and all the water. I mean, this is is an unbelievable scene. I mean, it would have been unbelievable to see it that day. I mean, they, they must have just had their mouths drop open and said, why in the world have we been following you? When here, we know that the God of Elijah, the God, the traditional God of Israel, he's the one true living God. So all of a sudden, everybody's like, we're all in for God. Look what he did. Look what he did. Let me do this. I want to speak to two groups here this morning. And I've been both groups. I've been both sides of this coin before. Uh, the first group is, you've been waiting on God. You've been waiting on God. Um, you've given your whole, whole heart to God, you've been praying, and there's been no fire from heaven. You've pleaded with God, you've begged God to act on your behalf, and you've heard nothing. And you feel like I've been faithful? And nothing's happened. Let me, let me, I want you to catch this text from verse 36. It says, at the time of sacrifice, Elijah stepped forward. Elijah's been praying at this very same time, probably same place, in the evening for years. For years. And th- this was the exact same time that he'd been praying. And for the last three years, nothing happened. Now, let me just say that if that's you, keep doing what you're doing. If that's where you're at, keep doing what you're doing. He, he was praying for three years, same thing. God, move their hearts. God, let it rain. God, let it rain. God, move their hearts. Let it rain. And God hadn't acted. God hadn't done anything for, for, for three years. So he, he's been in our shoes. And if that's where you're at, don't quit. Don't let something slip in and steal part of your heart. It takes times like this, these times of waiting, for it to mean something. It does. So keep serving, keep giving, keep trusting, keep praying, keep doing what you know is right. I I love uh, my friend Jay Massey. He goes to our church. Jay's, Jay's a friend. I've loved Jay's story, Jay uh pre-christ lived it up partied became addicted to some drugs and alcohol gave his life to jesus and man jay walked away from it and it was it's a it's an amazing story of breaking addiction and really being clean and sober for now uh, over four years but there was a part of that where jay's like twiddling his thumbs going okay god i lost it all lost my marriage I've been a good boy, huh. hook a brother up, bring me a woman, woo, right? Several, s- several months back, or a few months back, Chrissy and I got to go to dinner with Jay on a blind date, and now fast forward, I talked to, talk to uh, his sister and his brother-in-law, Richard, and they're like, oh, this time next year, there won't be a separate Thanksgiving, Oh no, they they are they they are in love. And I just want to tell you my, my boy Jay, I mean he pleaded, God. God, I am walking with you. I want to I want to I want to know a godly girl that I can give my heart to. I want to I want to fall in love with someone who's going the same direction that I am now. I don't want to I don't want to be that old guy anymore. I'm going to be this new guy, but bring me the new girl. And God brought him a wonderful wonderful godly woman but he prayed for 4 years so I want to just say if that's you don't quit don't give in don't give up it takes those times of waiting for God to grow us and to teach us and to illuminate for us <clears throat> the, the the second group I want to talk to you again and I've been in these shoes too you've been waffling waffling one foot in one foot out on the whole God thing and you you you've you've been between two opinions, basically, like Scripture says, you believe in God, you believe in His grace, you believe in His forgiveness, and you—that's—that's that's all good, it's cool, but you're still holding on to some things that aren't any good for you, clinging to some stuff that, that you haven't let go. And I, I want to give you a phrase, and I—I I, I, honestly, my, this is this is intense what I'm about to say, but I want—I want to show you a phrase. Uh, from scripture tell you about a phrase what, what, what Elijah says next is, is like Colin McGregor style Conor McGregor style it's harsh so right after God shows off and says I'm the real God Elijah tells all, all of the people on this team to go seize and slaughter all 850 of the, the other prophets and you know what they do? They go do it. I mean, they, they get extremely bold here and they, they kill all these other prophets. Now, that doesn't go on in our world today uh, on behalf of God, right? A true living God. But here's the point I want, want you to see Elijah tells them to do this and they go do it. Why? Because they just seen the God of the world show off and do something on their behalf. So they go all in. So the question that I, I would like to ask and pose it to you this way is, what are the things you're constantly telling God or people that, that you love that you're sorry for? And, and you say, I, I'm sorry, I, I want to quit, and I, I really want to stop, I really, I really want to change, I really want to be different. I want to say stop being starry and slaughter it. Stop. Get rid of it. And I really believe you can because Scripture says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. See, God wants to destroy the things that are destroying us. He wants to slaughter them. He wants to annihilate them. Because those things at times in our life are the things that are keeping our attention, keeping our affection, and keeping us from truly Following and knowing God. Twenty-seven years ago, when my uh, when my mom uh, was passing away, passed away at a, at a church in South Florida, I prayed, and I can remember this very vividly. I prayed to God, and I said, "God, take over me. I, I give I give you all of me today," and. That, my, that night that my mom died, um, I wasn't with her. In fact, I, I wasn't very kind to her. Um, I, I, I was running around, and again, one foot in, one foot out with the whole God thing, wavering between two opinions. And I have letters today where my mom prayed for me and pleaded that I would give my whole heart to God. She, she was pleading that I would surrender my heart to God, and I would not waste my life. Th- that I, I would be used, that I, would, that I could make a difference, that I would matter, and that I would not just live my life without purpose. And I want to say, if, you're, if you've ever been afraid that your life might not matter, I'll, I want to invite you to pray today and ask God to help you open your hands up and surrender every area of your heart to him today. Why? Because there is but one God. And he didn't want part of you, wants all of you. And I would say, some of you today, you would say, you know what? I, I, I really don't feel like I experienced God. Could it be that you've allowed him in some places of your life, but not all of your life? So let me pray for you this morning. God, I, I asked that this morning. You would help us grasp how much you love us, how deep, wide, and great and powerful your love is for us. God, that you would do crazy things like what we just read in Scripture that's like, ah, it's hard to wrap your, our, brain, our brains around that. God, but you did, you did everything that we've read, everything that we've ever understood. You're presently doing things in our lives now, God, all in order for us to continue to find our way back to you that we could live in close relationship with you. And so, Lord, I pray that today that you would give us strength and courage for us to allow you to have all of us today, that we would surrender everything that we are to you today. God, we don't want you to have part of us. We want you to have all of us. So, God, today that's our hope. That's our prayer. And, God, we know we can do that through you because you give us strength. So, God, today we're for you. We're going all in for you. We're going to quit riding the pine, standing on the fence, God. Today, God, we give ourselves to you. In your name we pray. Amen.